It's the hardest job in the world, raising kids. So join me with lifelong pediatrician, Dr. Robert Saul, to get his interesting perspective on raising our children. Let's go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today I have joining me Dr. Robert Saul. He is a pediatrician who has been guiding the physical, behavioral, and mental care of children for 44 years. His parental awareness threshold is a simple framework to actively parent with self-awareness, empathy, and compassion, where children learn to build nurturing relationships as well as exhibit love and respect for others. He has several other books, and we're going to be talking also about how he believes you should raise children to be good citizens. His perspective is unique and interesting, and I'm glad you're here to join us for the conversation. So grab your cup of coffee and join us at the table. Here we go. Hi, Dr. Saul. Thank you for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm very excited to be here. It's great to have you. This is so nice to have somebody with such experience and, you know, have an actual pediatrician. We have so many young families, as I've told you about, you know, raising families. And so I think your perspective is is a unique one and really a good one. So let's have you tell the audience briefly about what you do. I'm now a retired pediatrician and medical geneticist, but just because I'm retired, I'm not withdrawn. So I'm very trying to stay very active with children's advocacy and parenting and citizenship issues. Yeah, which is great. And we're going to really get get into it. So how long did you practice, by the way? For If you include my residency, it was uh, about f- almost 45 years. That's amazing. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to point that out because you've probably seen it all. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, let's discuss, and you have a book, you have something that you call conscious parenting. And I think this is so great. Let's tell the audience what that is and what does it mean to be a conscious parent? Okay, let me just give you a little bit of background to it because it it leads into very nicely what conscious parenting was. When I took a leadership course near the end of my career, they talked about conscious leadership and they talked about a line. And when you're above the line, you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn. Mm -hmm. When you're below the line, you're closed, you're defensive, you're always right. Mm. And the whole point of this conscious leadership was sort of being aware of where you are on that line. Mm. It seemed very obvious to me that the same principle holds for parenting. And Mm -hmm. that line I've called the parental awareness threshold. And when you're above that, you're open, you're receptive, you're ready to learn, you're ready to engage, you're ready to listen. When you're below that, you're closed, you're defensive, you're always right. Because I said so, because I'm Mm -hmm. the parent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's important that we sort of be conscious of where we are as parents and where our children are in terms of their developmental stages. So that's just a broad overview of what I mean by conscious parenting. Yeah. It's like being aware of your own behavior, right? Oh, absolutely. And knowing that what you do 
how you respond to the same set of circumstances on a Monday morning yeah. might be very different from what you do on Wednesday morning because of a variety of things that are going on. And you need to adapt to that. Yeah. So you almost have to give yourself a little time out to be like, I'm overtired right now, or I'm impatient right now, or I have a headache right now, right? and I need to just count to 10 or something maybe before I direct my kid. And that's hard because we all get, you know, we all get caught up in the moment and we're rushing and all kinds of stuff. But I love that you bring that up, like just being aware because we're human too, that, you know, we're going to have weak parts of our day and how we respond to certain things is going to be different at different times based on what's happening with us, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to give yourself some grace because you're going to mess up sometimes. Also, give your child some grace because those same circumstances you just delineated for parents, the same thing might be happening for children. They might be frazzled. They might be a variety of things that we haven't even factored in. So their brusque response or their lack of response might be you need to try to understand what's going on with them. Right. Like maybe they're overtired or what, or you've just moved to a new house and they're not used to their new room or, I mean, it could be a million and one thing. So I love that whole thing. And, and you have a whole book about conscious parenting, which we're going to put in the show notes. Yeah. So in the book, you talk about the parental awareness threshold, which you just described. So the way to use that successfully is to see where you are on it and recognize that, right? Yes. I mean, and at the same time, if you're above the parental awareness threshold, if Mm -hmm. you're openly engaged and listening, that's great. But if you find in retrospect or at the time that you're below it, try to change your behavior, try to change your interactions. And how do you do that in the moment is pause and choose. And you, you know, you need to pause and say, Okay, this isn't going so well. What, what, and then you need to try to assess, okay, what can we do, do differently? And if you choose a good response, that's great. In retrospect, if you choose a not so good response, mm-hmm. then you just want to sort of adapt that in the future. And if it was a really bad response, that is, you really goofed up, then you might want to just sincerely apologize to your child. Yes. And you and I, I was going to touch on that next because you and I spoke about that. And there's a few things with that. I think one is that, you know, we do make mistakes and to have our children see us make a mistake and apologize for it, I think is a big lesson in and of itself. You had a great story too, that you told and you messed up and you apologized. Right. And it makes an impact. So I guess be prepared to, if you don't catch yourself in the moment, if you reflect back and go, oh man, I really, that was not good. Go to the child and say, you know, I really didn't handle that well with you and I apologize, right? Right. I mean, the example I gave you is one night my son, I thought, said something that was very wrong. I mm-hmm. yelled at him. He, mm-hmm. got, he turned into a puddle. My wife yelled at me. We <laughs> went into that family meltdown mode where nobody talks yep. for a couple of hours. Yep. And then I finally, it was bedtime. I finally laid down to my son. I said, son, I'm so sorry. I think you did something wrong. But then dad's response was totally inappropriate. And I really want to apologize. And he said, dad, would you be quiet? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I hate it when you're nice. So, yeah. you know, just be willing to make that change recognize your own human failings and correct them. Because when we do that, children learn by example. Exactly. That's exactly it. Okay. So that's so, I really love that whole concept 
of conscious parenting. And I know, like I said, it can be hard. We all get busy in the moment, but you gave a really good tip there where it's like, just pause, pause, and then pick the action you're going to, you know. And like you said, if you mess up, we're human and we mess up and we sort of pivot correct course and apologize. I love that. Do you think parenting is innate? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I really, in today's society, I don't think it's innate. Now, you might argue parenting is an innate biologic function. Yeah. But today's society makes it more complex. We don't, I mean, if it was an innate biologic function, everyone would be breastfeeding and we'd be out gathering our own food and living in huts. We don't, right. do, we don't do that anymore. We have to, when we need food, we have to get in the car or have it delivered. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to make money so we can go get these services. We have to have a car. So, and all the technology now that's completely ingrained in everything we do yeah. has made it so that parenting is not innate. Mm. We, we need, in my mind, you need sort of some basic paradigms, which is what conscious parenting is about. And then you still need to look at, okay, how do I deal with this particular situation or that particular situation? Recognizing that you can ask your sister who mm-hmm. has you know two children and your sister might say, well, I did it this way and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Well, you try that and it doesn't work. Well, welcome to parenting. Everyone and everything is different. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's no instruction manual. And if there was, there'd have to be one for every kid because it's different. You know, like every kid is different. And so the way you respond and handle things with one child, like you just said, may not work with another. So it's like, you know, you've got to kind of, I think you sort of have to get to know your kid and their strengths and their weaknesses. And you play to that, you know, it's, um, Right. But you also, I mean, there are some basic tenets. I mean, you, you know, your love for your child is absolute. Sure. Your love for their behavior might not be absolute. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, but that doesn't mean they're a bad kid. Right. And the whole issue of discipline. Remember the word discipline, the root word for discipline means disciple. So mm-hmm. anything that you're dealing with behavior issues should be a teaching experience not a punishment experience. So I love I love that reminder, by the way. It's a teaching experience. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's important for parents to remember. I used to say to my kids too, like, you're human and you're going to make mistakes. That's part of growing up. That's part of learning. I said, the key with a mistake is what you learn from it, right? So depending on the scale of the mistake and whatever, but it's like, well, what did we learn from that? So we could maybe avoid that another time. And this, in particularly in the teenage years, this had a little more impact because the mistake could have some different type of ramifications, right? So even during the teen years, it was a big thing. It was like, you're going to mess up. You're a teen and it's okay. Like I'm not expecting perfection, but when we do mess up, let's acknowledge it and let's see, well, what did I learn from that? So that, that I don't have to, you know, maybe go through that again or I could avoid it or, you know, do something a little bit different the next time. You're right. But it's not, it's not that simple even because just because you learned at one time doesn't mean you will model that behavior the next time. Yeah, no, we, we know that. We saw that too. <laughs> well, actually we see it in adults. I mean, I see yeah. it in my own behavior at times. I yeah. mean, I think, how can I be so stupid as to do that? I should know that. Right. So, at the same time, you have to give yourself grace, right. you have to forgive yourself, and then forgive others. So, yeah. And remember that the adolescent brain 
is not fully developed till around age 25. Yep. So you can try reasoning and say, you know, we went over this last week. I don't understand why you don't ex- understand why you can't do that. You just have to take that deep breath. You have to pause and recognize you might still need to keep coming back to this until it really sinks in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying one time and you learn and then, it, yeah, no, it, there, it could be repetitive, but it is just sort of taking a, a moment to reflect back on what the mistake was. I used to okay. like my kids to do and say, okay, what could we do better next time or try to do better next time? But I also wanted them to know that, because uh, I do feel like in this day and age, there's this goal of sort of always being perfect in everything. And I just don't think that's normal. <laughs> We're all here. Like we all mess up. So I always wanted to kind of say like, you know, you're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. Your dad makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Right. And it's about how do we learn from them? and grow, but yeah, whatever. Just kind of an interesting, yeah, way to look at it. What do you think parents need to do to improve their parenting skills then? Since, you know, like we said, a lot of it's not innate. It's kind of like the wild west. There is no manual, right? And what works for one doesn't work for another. So what could we do to help improve our parenting skills? Well, a lot, I mean, there certainly are a fair number of books out there, uh, more books than anyone could ever look at. Mm. I'd like to think my book gives a good paradigm for a start. And then yep. there's different things. I mean, the the American Academy of Pediatrics, of which I'm a member and represents close to 70,000 pediatricians across the country, has a lot of great advice on online and in books and set up an established trusted relationship with your pediatrician or your family practice physician, because they're the people you're going to keep going back to. Now, it's perfectly reasonable to listen to the advice from your mother or your aunt, but if it seems to be really off the wall, then what you do is you smile, you say thank you, and then do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, Because, I mean... Oftentimes, so many times in my early in my career, parents have come in and said, you know, my mother says she did this and everything was fine. Well, that's true, but that was 30 years ago. Things have changed. And this is our new advice based on science or good evidence. This is what we should do differently now. Yeah, I was about to say with every generation too, there's different sets of you know, environments and issues and things that, you know, 30 years ago, that particular relative wasn't facing. And even if you look at technology, you know, like, so every kid, you know, has an iPad when they're out to dinner, that didn't exist for someone 30 years ago. So they wouldn't really have good advice on how to manage, you know, screen time and all that because it didn't exist. So yeah, I think there are things that are unique to each generation. And so like you said, you kind of take And yet there's valuable things they can impart. So like you said, you listen and then, but you have to do what your gut tells you, I think. Absolutely. And I was reminiscing with somebody the other day about little childhood projects that just Mm -hmm. give an example of how things have changed. Mm -hmm. And I said, when we were in third or fourth grade, we made ashtrays to bring home for our home because everyone was smoking in the house. Yeah. Nobody do that now, thank God. But, and nobody even thought about the risk of that cigarette exposure. Uh, nope. To the kids. Nope. And we were all exposed. I mean, my grandparents were chain smokers. My, I mean, yeah, that whole generation was, they all smoked. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's just fascinating, the whole thing. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, you and I touched on it a little bit, but let's talk about happiness and how we think that's the goal, but maybe it's really something else. Yeah. This has been part of this, this introspective journey I've been on 
about trying to find out about happiness. Because I remember when I was young, I think my parents divorced when I was around nine. Mm. And I remember my mother, who was just a phenomenal person, saying, Bob, I just want you to be happy. And then when my first marriage, unfortunately, ended in divorce, I remember telling my oldest son, I just want you to be happy. Mm. And I realized now I got that wrong. And I'll explain because what I I did not follow my mother's words. Mm. I followed her actions. My mother was one of these remarkable people who loved and embraced and was very empathetic to everyone she she was with. So she mm. cared for other people. She was just not seeking her own personal happiness. Mm. So when we say we want our children to be happy, I think the goal of parenting should be to raise them to be good citizens. Mm-hmm. Citizens care for each other. Citizens care about each other. Citizens mm-hmm. are always doing for each other and listening to each other. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, happiness is a blissful secondary side effect. Yeah. And we're going to get into that next, which is the next theme that you have. But yeah, it's like looking outward instead of inward, maybe, right? And I do think that's so important, especially now. I f- do feel like this generation is always striving for happiness in maybe more super in, in a more superficial way. And that can be a letdown oftentimes. And also just feeling like they have to have a constant state of happiness based on that. And that isn't always the case. I don't know. So you no, know, I think I think we have, you know, unfortunately led to that. And as a parent, I've done it too. I mean, to my mind, a lot of sometimes all the Christmas gifts, because I want yeah. them to be happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's a that's a momentary happiness. You got the new bike when you become an adolescent, maybe you get the new car, all right. of those things. But that's not really happiness. That's right. I think I think that's that's a good point. It's almost like we're throwing the word around and it's like a misnomer. We're not really using the word properly and defining it properly. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, You're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. The other thing is you have a book called My Children's Children. And one of the main philosophies you have is talking about what it means to raise our children as good citizens. And I like the backstory of this, which I'll let you tell the audience, which is sort of how this came about. And it happened to be a big 
event in our country that kind of triggered this for you. So I'll let you explain that. And then we can kind of talk about becoming good citizens. Okay. 14 years into my career, I realized I, as a professional, I wasn't paying back to the community. So in 1993, I went to hear a talk and I was really shocked by this person that talk said, for anything that happens in your community, you should consider I am the problem. I am the solution. I am the resource. That is, it's not their teenage pregnancy problem. It's not their drug problem. Until I want to make a difference, I have to consider it my problem. I have to be part of the solution, and I need to devote my resources to it. So I, I went to the community and got involved and felt like I was doing good work. And then that major event that happened, which continued to happen, <laughs> continues to happen, was yes. Columbine. Two students mm-hmm. walk into a high school massacre 13 people and kill themselves. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, could that happen in my town? And the answer, of course, was yes. Mm-hmm. What have I done to make a difference? And the answer was not enough. Mm-hmm. So I really was sort of in a quandary. What can I do? And I, as a professional, I felt like I needed to speak out. And I put pencil to paper because back then we used to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wrote out what I considered to be the five steps to community improvement because it's community improvement that will take away this rock bed of hatred and divisiveness and all the other things that in our society that's so toxic. So I came up with those five steps to community improvement. Be glad to go over those with you. Yeah. Let's talk about those five steps. Also, I'm going to mention when you went to that first seminar, those words you spoke, you call them those 12 words you always come back to. I'm going to have you say those one more time. I am the problem. I am the solution. I am the resource. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, talk to me about those five. So so step number one, learn to be the best parent you can be. Yeah. As you know, and hopefully all your audience knows, parenting is a constant learning experience. You're never done learning. If you ever think you're done, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. So you need to be on this continuous learning journey. Mm-hmm. And not everyone has the same resources. Not everyone has the same capabilities. So my job, everyone's job is to help them be the best parent they can be. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it may, really does take a village to help us raise children to be good citizens. So learn to be the best parent you could be. Mm-hmm. Number two, get involved. It's so important that you get involved in your community in some way. And there, there's so many ways. So I don't have a prescription per se. Just figure out what needs to be done in your community and get involved. Yeah. Because I am the problem. I am the solution. I am the resource. Number three, stay involved. Because sometimes it's different. Because I think sometimes it's difficult to stay involved yeah. as, as your children mature. Granted, you're going to might change your involvement, but you need to stay involved. Yep. Number four is the most intuitive, but seemingly the most difficult, it's especially in our toxic society where everyone seems to be yelling at each other. Love for others. Mm-hmm. We seem to have forgotten about that. We yeah. can't listen. We just shout. And then number five, which is the most difficult, but in many ways, probably the most important is forgiveness. Yeah, that's and a big we, one. We need to know personal forgiveness. We need to know social forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important. So, you know, we're approaching the end of the school year now. And I was thinking that that means more time, some more free time for kids and families. And, you know, even with sports and camps and stuff, could summer be a good time to 
you know, for parents to have conversation starters or are there activities as a family they could do together? You and I were talking about modeling and that's part of becoming a good citizen too, whether you work at a charity or volunteer. Just curious, you know, with summer coming up, you know, other things we can do to invest some time to, as parents, help our kids become good citizens. Well, I think, again, some of it depends on the age of the child, whether it's a joint venture or it's mom or dad doing it and the children see see what they're doing. But yeah. certainly, it would be a great time to sit down as a family and say, you know, we're going to have more time together as a family. Yeah. What can we do in our community? What to be involve the kids in this? You know, what do you think we should be? Where can we invest some energy and some time to really help others? Here, mm-hmm. I think that would be a great thing to do. We tend to do that sort of thing in the winter when we get around Christmas and we think about being a little more do-gooders. But True. now would be now would be a great time yeah. for us to get involved in those activities. Related to that, one of the things I used to do in, in pediatrics when kids were coming in for their checkups at the beginning of the summer, I said, What are you gonna do? What's your most what's the most important thing for you to do this summer? And they would give me this quizzical look. I said, the most important thing for you to do this summer is to read. You need, that's the, you know, I said, books and reading is your ticket to the world. So Uh, true, by the way. uh, So it's so important that they keep those skills going. And, you know, you're, as you adults learn, you're never out of school. Kids think they are, but we don't want to equate reading books with drudgery. We just want to equate it with good stuff that we should be reading to help each other. Yeah. And it can open up your mind and you can learn things you never knew before, for sure. You know, the other other thing is it probably doesn't have much to do with citizens, but the other thing that's so important in the summertime is accident prevention. Let's remember you're going to be on your your bike. Let's wear your helmet. Swimming. You know, what are the rules of swimming? If you're going to be at Johnny's house, if you're going to visit Johnny or Sally's house, do they have any guns in the house? Are they locked up? I mean, these things that we might take for granted, really still, you know, gun injury is still the number one cause of children's death. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So so anyway, this book will also be in the show notes. I did want you to give that story about, you know, like when you saw what happened at Columbine and based on what you had done before at previous seminars, it kind of all came together to be like, you know what, we need to work as citizens to help, you know, help each other out and be in our community. So I just thought that was a really good message. You also discussed that parenting is in fact a journey. And so what are some useful signposts that you've discovered along the way? Yeah, that's always a great question because some of them, I think they can be very individualized. Some of them can be the personal revelation parents have in terms of what works and what doesn't work, how they can improve themselves. So I think parents need to be very introspective. And that learning introspection is a significant signpost. Mm. Uh, Another one is trying to really learn the mental health fabric of your children. Mm. That's not a specific signpost per se. That's something you should, those are road signs you should be reading all along Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of trying to understand your children. And then seeing their maturation 
and their degree of maturation and how you want to compare it to their other siblings if you have more than one, yeah. or you want to compare it to your nieces and nephews, or you want to compare it to the kids on the street. Don't do that. They're unique, yeah. they're unique individuals. It can be helpful in terms of if you're worried about them yeah. you know, because they might have a developmental problem and then say, well, you know, my three-year-old really isn't doing what every other three-year-old does. Well, that's a great signpost to get to the doctor and get an appropriate evaluation. Yeah. So it's, it's using the tools that are out there to help you understand yourself, help you understand your children, and monitor their performance all along the way. Definitely. And I think I told you, and I don't know that it would be called a signpost, maybe you would, but I found for me with parenting, and I'm still on the journey. I mean, you talk about how it never ends. I have a 22-year-old who's graduating college. So you think, oh, okay, done, right? No, well, she's going to graduate school. My husband just met her up in Boston today. They're trying to, you know, nail down the next apartment, get her set up. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are parenting right now coming with this because this is a new phase of her life. She needs some emotional support because it's a little scary, even though she's excited. I mean, it just goes on. And I have one graduating high school. But for me, what really changed it was, I think I had mentioned to you, I found with my generation in parenting when I was kind of in the weeds of doing it was there's a lot of expectations of having to play sports, one or multiple, and having to do this and having to do that. And really noticing my kids where they were happiest and what they liked. And even though if it wasn't the norm of what everyone else was doing, which was sports, why am I going to fight that? Why don't I just accept who they are and what their strength is and what they want to do? And I think I told you for many years, I felt like I was fighting against the tide where I live because I was just like, well, that's not where her interest lies. So that's not what we're going to do. You know, but I would literally have parents say to me, well, why isn't she doing X this summer? I'm like, well, because she's going to do this because that's what's better for her. And I think if you really step into and really look at your child and really, and I mean, accept who they are, not who you want them to be or think they are. I just think it becomes a whole different dynamic in a lot of ways that are positive. That's just my take on being a parent for 22 years so far. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, cause it could be that, you know, you're, I mean, early on your child sees themselves and you do also as the next tennis prodigy and they're going to do everything. And then you, you get them to all the lessons and the pros and everything else. And you see their interest dwindling and they're becoming less, less emotionally attached to it. To have that real conversation and say, do you really want to continue this? It's perfectly okay. And you have not failed in any way, shape or form. I mean, if you'd rather play the harmonica, you know, that's, that's fine with me. Right. Um, yeah, because sometimes you say, you know, like you said, parents say, why isn't why isn't your child doing this? And if you say a response like because they don't want to, then their retort is, well, you're just coddling them. No, right. you're you're being responsive. Uh, right. to, there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's more like, well, that just isn't for her. That's why it just it wasn't for her. And this is what we're going to do. But I think there can be some peer. I would just like to impart. I think there can be some peer pressure from other parents in, in your community. And I would just say, stay true to your child and to yourself. My pediatrician told me many years ago when the kids were babies, he's like, 
you know your kid better than anybody. So you're, you can come to me for advice and all that, but your gut instinct is going to be right. So I listen to you. Like you come into this office and you tell me, I don't know, something's not right. I think they're sick. I'm going to look into what's making them sick, right? Because you have told me a certain thing and your gut has told you it's not normal for them. But it's the same thing with accepting who they are and trying to force them into some sort of like, you know, square hole when they're a round peg, let's say. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that about the parents' intuition, because I was recently asked to write an article about my career, and I ended up with one of the sort of the five things that I've learned. And the top of the list was to trust the intuition of parents. Yep. And I mean, it's not that they're not always right. Never dismiss it. Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, especially let's say you're, they're sick and we don't know what it is. You know, he's like, your gut instinct can point me in a direction I might not have thought of. If you know, right. he's like, or I'm going to trust your instinct when you say to me that just isn't normal for him or her. He's like, I know for sure if you're telling me that that it isn't. So we have to, you know. But he taught me that very early on to just trust, trust my gut. It's gonna be, it's gonna be right, and he's gonna trust my gut too. And that that was a pretty cool thing that really did carry through all those years of pediatric visits and other things that that occurred. So that was actually pretty cool. Absolutely. So I just want. I'm certainly no parenting expert, but I've done it for 22 years with two kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> I could say a little something. Yeah. And like I said, my oldest is 22 and we're still parenting, you know. It never stops. My oldest no. is, my oldest will be 44 this year and just has a new baby. See, uh, and, and that's a whole other phase, right? And he continues to look for me. And then the one thing we don't think about is, but I really try to emphasize is parenting. The tables will turn. And in many ways, you'll become the parent of your parents. So you are never done parenting. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Circle of life, right? Right. Well, anyway, you've got these two great books. We're going to link everything in the show notes. I'd like to close the show. And I mean, you've given us so much valuable information and I think a nice perspective to look at. But if you have any other quick tips or advice to leave the audience, I'd love you to do that. And then let us know the best platforms to find you on. You can say them and then we will put all the links in the show notes. Always be involved in your children and in your community because that's what makes a difference. And it, the uh, one of the big things for me in terms of being able to do that is practice personal forgiveness, forgive yourself, forgive others, and do it now, and then also accept social forgiveness for when your group maybe has done something wrong, but it wasn't you, mm. accept that you're a part of that. And by being vulnerable and being sincere and being humble in your apology or asking for forgiveness, you're not accepting blame. You're just trying to advance how we can help each other. You know, this parenting journey is so complex, but if you think of the five steps to community improvement, you think about conscious parenting and think about raising your kids to be good citizens, I think you've gone a long way to doing the right things. Yes. And when you say conscious parenting is a really good technique, when you're in what I call the throes of parenting, like that sort of baby into toddler age, that toddler age almost. I mean, it could be used at any age, but you know, when you're, I call it in the throes because it's like, it's still so demanding physically and mentally, right? That conscious parenting, I think pausing and just realizing how your state of mind is at the time could be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and again, recognizing the child's state of mind. And the child's state of mind. Exactly. A, a temper tantrum in a two-year-old is very different than a temper tantrum in an eight-year-old. 
Yeah. So you, you need to know how to deal with those. Yeah, exactly. For sure. What are the best platforms to find you on? If you name them here, we will list them. Websites or social media platforms would be great, Dr. Saul. Well, my website is www.mychildrenschildren.com. And that has the bulk of the information. I do have Facebook pages for my children's children mm-hmm. for conscious parenting, but the website is the predominant source of information. I do have a, a Twitter account. I do have Instagram, but I'll be honest, I don't use those as much as, as feed information into my website. And the website has the information if people are interested in books of a weekly blog I post and also uh, contact information if they want to get in contact with me. Great. And the books they can order either from your website or can they get them on a platform like Amazon as well? On Amazon. Actually, if you go to my website, it'll give you the links to get them on Amazon. Okay, perfect. And what is your, I know you're not on it as much, but what is your name on Instagram or the account name on Instagram? R-S-A-U-L. R-S-A-U-L. Okay, perfect. Great. Well, this has been great. It's been eye-opening. I love your perspective on everything and your experience. So I think this has been a really good episode to have to talk to families that are raising kids right now. There's just so much to think about. So your perspective, I think, is really helpful and I appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. And we'll connect soon. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Saul. After the recording, he and I had another further chat. He's always so interesting to chat with. And, you know, what I sort of took away myself from the conversation was, you know, there's so many different ways to parent and our day-to-day technique could be totally different. And it needs to be different because each person, each child is different. But I was saying with his perspective, what's interesting is if you think about raising a good citizen, and that's kind of like your broad goal, you sort of back into maybe how you behave or teach your children to behave in order to get to that goal. I thought that was sort of interesting. That was one of my takeaways from that. And, you know, the other thing is the conscious parenting. I mean, that's so important. I remember being just in the trenches with my kids, as I call it, when, you know, they just really needed you physically and mentally. And I had a husband that was traveling most of the week at the time. And, you know, it was just a lot. And so to just sort of pause and be like, okay, I'm overtired right now. I'm a little impatient right now. I need to just take a few seconds before I react, you know, I think is interesting. And it sounds like common sense, but when you're just sort of in the throes of it, And having to handle one thing after the next, you can forget to do that. So I thought that was great advice. I hope you guys had some great takeaways from this conversation. There's always something to learn about parenting, as we know, because there is no instruction manual. And we have to just all get in there and do our best. So, you know, I think any perspective, any different, you know, type of information we can get is always, always helpful. And, you know, parenting never stops. So my girls are older now and onto beautiful milestones, but the parenting doesn't stop and that's okay because it's all worth watching these wonderful, joyous milestones that they do get to, they do reach and all the hard work. Well, I'll just tell you, I think it's worth it. Anyhow, it's the hardest job, but it's the greatest gift. So any you know questions you have, always feel free to comment on social media, send a DM. If you have any further questions for Dr. Saul, always let us know. We're happy to send those along and get those answered. So from my home to yours, I will see you here soon. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. 
And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.